You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. 6 to 13. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Make every effort to come to me soon, because Damas has deserted me since he loved this present world and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. I have sent Titus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left in Taurus with Carpus as well as the scrolls, especially the parchments. We'll remain standing and we'll read the um, creed. I believe in God. You all again and some faces that we knew from years ago when we used to come here regularly. As we were chatting about uh, what should be spoken about today, uh, I was chatting to some of you and some of you said that uh, it would be good to hear something about suffering because a lot of you have been through a lot of suffering in the last couple of years and I know that when people bring up COVID, I get sick of it. Um, but it's usually because they're just talking about how to deal with the masks and this and that. I haven't heard many people actually talk about the suffering that you've been through. And in Victoria, especially Melbourne, and for some of you, if you lived in the right suburb, especially right here, you've been through the most difficult lockdowns in the world. Some of the suburbs around here even had the extra couple of weeks added on when we were doing that whole thing of if your suburb has people, then you get locked down. Remember that? So here, we, we've been through a unique and special kind of suffering. Um, just this week, I was meeting with a family preparing for a funeral because I'm a funeral celebrant and... Uh, the person who had passed away had done jail time for some fairly serious crimes. And their dad said to them that the lockdown during COVID was worse than jail. Uh, another friend of mine, their little boy, um, was begging mum and dad, take me to get the stuff that'll stop me dying his school was telling him, if you don't get the jab, you're going to die. You know, we've been through some tough stuff here. For us, as a family, one of the low points was, um, you know, we've got family in Adelaide, we've got family in Western Australia, and you guys would have got stories exactly like mine. So these are not unique, I'm just telling it because I'm sure you've got something like this, where um, 
some family in Adelaide, having a chat to them. Oh, you guys still like wearing masks? No, we're still in lockdown. Like they, they had no idea what was happening in our state. And some of our family got really upset because it felt like they didn't care. Uh, I had another family member one time um, freaking out, messaging on Messenger. Do you remember when Perth went into the four-day lockdown? Wow, they were freaking out. We're about to go into a four-day lockdown. What are we going to do? This family member of mine lives on a farm where it takes half an hour to drive to the edge of their property and they're worried about being locked down on their 100-kilometre property. No idea. So you guys have been through a very unique and special kind of suffering. So let me tell you some thoughts that went through my mind because I bet you they went through yours as well during that time. Thoughts like, sometimes I despair of life. Sometimes I think it would just be better to die. How long can I wrestle with my thoughts is another one. How long can I go on with all of this pain in my heart every day? Another time you probably thought, like I did, I've got so many enemies and half of them just pretend to be my friends and I can't trust a word they say. I feel like they're all out to get me and God feels so far away and whenever I'm in trouble, he hides just when I need him the most. Sometimes I feel like God has forgotten me forever and I pray and I pray but God doesn't answer and I don't know why. I wonder if you felt that too. Another thought like, sometimes I feel like we're all just ghosts wandering around every day pointlessly and sometimes I feel like life is just waiting until we die. I wish that God will show me how long I'm going to live so that I would know how quickly it'll be done. Why does my heart feel in pain every day like I've been to the funeral of a friend? I feel like everybody's looking at me saying, how can you feel like this when you say that your God is so great? God did all these amazing miracles and great things for people in the past. I just wish you would do something for me. Have you had those kinds of thoughts? Why am I so sad all the time? Do you have thoughts like that? Does that make me a bad person for thinking that? Does it make me a bad Christian for thinking thoughts like that? Because there's a lot of people that would say, yeah, it does make you a bad Christian. You've probably seen people up on a platform like this preaching and saying, you should be positive all the time. You know, you should be saying words of positivity and thinking words of positivity because that's You've had all that good stuff done for you. Why would you be sad? Let me ask a slightly different question. Those things that I just said, do you ever pray like that? Of course not. That's ridiculous. You shouldn't pray like that. Actually, yeah, you should. Because every single one of those quotes that I just read to you, they're things that I've thought, but they're also direct quotes from the Bible. Every single one of them. Now, some of them I thought after reading it going, yeah, I feel that. 
Other ones were things that I just think and then I come across it in my Bible reading and go, oh, I remember thinking that. All of those are prayers in the Bible. So you're not a bad Christian for thinking those thoughts. The people who wrote the Bible thought those thoughts. And I think from time to time, every single one of us has thoughts just like that. But most of the time, we we don't allow them to come up, we just push them down and we don't listen to them. And some people would say, well, it's a good thing. Push them down. Just let the happy ones come out. But one of the great things about the Bible is that it's filled with real people who are open with us about what they are really feeling. And if you're truly honest with yourselves, then each of you will admit you've had some thoughts like that before. The Bible is filled with stories of people just like you, who have been through suffering just like you have suffered sometimes. And maybe like you're suffering right now because the after effects of what we've been through is still there. I still struggle to enjoy my job the way that I used to before lockdown. And I'm sure that a lot of you feel the same way. And the Bible tells us that when we feel alone and when we feel like God is far away, He's not. He's listening. He wants us to pray. He wants us to tell Him the real pain that we feel in our hearts. And it is filled with lots of positive and encouraging things when you read the Bible. The Bible does tell you that you're appreciated. It tells you that saved. It tells you that God hears you. It tells you that you've been given a gift and you're forgiven and you're set free and you're adopted and loved and victorious and all of those things. They're all positive and encouraging messages, but the Bible also says, I am suffering. I am in pain. So are you suffering today? Are you in pain today? We hear stories of suffering all the time. Just this week in the Guardian newspaper, I was looking up an illustration for this and all I had to do was type in one thing and this is the first thing that came up. The front page, I didn't have to look very far, did I? Stories of suffering. Here in our country, suicide is one of the greatest killers of our modern time and people are faced with so much despair that they can't face it anymore. And that's all around us. We hear about great suffering all the time, but it doesn't sink in very much. So then we feel guilty. Well, maybe I should feel badder about the suffering that other people are going through. So we feel guilty. I should feel more compassion. But we don't. Why? Why don't we feel that compassion? Why do I not feel their pain anymore? Well, the reason is because you're so overwhelmed with your own pain. Your own pain feels so big, there's no room for anyone else's pain. And we think, well, I'm not suffering as much as them. I'm not suffering as much as those guys that were up there before. I'm not in danger. I'm not starving. Why does my own suffering consume me so much? Well, because the greatest suffering that happens is not what happens to your body. The greatest suffering happens in the heart. The greatest suffering in the world is about lost dreams. It's about broken hearts. It's about crushed spirits. That is the place where you'll find the greatest suffering. It's personal suffering. The unseen, nameless suffering of the soul. That's the greatest one. And we see this very early in the Bible. In chapter 4 of the Bible. That's pretty early. 
It's pretty early to see some great suffering. Cain kills his brother. I mean, there must have been some pretty bad suffering going on to make him want to do that, right? But he kills his brother, but it gets worse because then he's banished from people and he's banished from the presence of God. And at one point after that, he's overwhelmed and he says, my punishment is more than I can bear. He wasn't talking about the physical punishment. He was saying that when he realised, I'm never going home. When he realised that his dreams were crushed, when he realised that his future was filled with loneliness and that he would be isolated from his loved ones, that's when he said, my punishment is more than I can bear. You know that kind of pain. You know what he's talking about. You don't have to be chased by an army or starving or shipwrecked to suffer. The greatest suffering sometimes happens in the wealthiest houses. And then when we read the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians in the Bible, he talks to us about answers to the suffering question. This man that we've never met uh, in a country far away thousands of years ago, we read what he has to say in this book to the Ephesians and we ask, well, can, can we believe him? I have a breaking heart, can this man really help me? Can I trust him? Can I trust him enough to give me my crushed and broken heart? Does he really know how I feel? Well, yes, he does, because Paul suffered too. He spent most of his life on the road, away from home, constantly in danger, often in fear of his life, often beaten, nearly beaten to death several times, poor, hungry, shipwrecked four times, hated by his friends and his family and towards the end of his life he started going blind. Probably as a result of malaria that he got sick with when he was a missionary. And right at the end there's some assassins trying to kill him. He's arrested, he's falsely imprisoned twice, one time we we believe, and some people disagree with this, but we believe that he ended up probably in this cave, this prison, which is called the Mamertine Prison, and like I said, there's a bit of debate about whether he actually ended up there, but let's just go with that, that's what most people believe. Uh, This was a place where the worst criminals went. It was underground, under the street, so you couldn't get out. You imagine what was life like in there with the worst criminals, the worst rapists, the murderers, all in there. People in the city, um, they know who's down that hole. So they're urinating on you from the top. There's no toilet for the prisoners. So all your stuff just is there in the cave with you. There's no ventilation. The smell, it would have been hard to breathe. Plus, there's this underground spring behind the wall So the whole wall of the cave is just constantly seeping, so the floor is cold and wet all the time. There's no food, only what your friends bring you. Uh, And then when your friends bring you that, you might not even get to eat it because, again, you've got these violent prisoners there with you and they probably bash you and steal it from you. And we know that for a long time no one knew he was in there. And one friend, Onesiphora, searched Rome for a long time before he found where Paul was. And you can imagine Paul in there, beaten up, starving and sick. But you remember how I said to you that physical suffering is not the worst kind? That's what we're about to find out from what Paul writes about this time. Earlier, Gihan read about 
what Paul writes about this time and he said, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. My time of death is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. What's that? That's after death. The crown of righteousness which the Lord will give me on the day of his return. Paul is suffering. You can hear the pain in his voice. But the sickness and the pain and the approaching death, that's not his greatest suffering. Above all that physical suffering, we hear the much greater pain in his heart when he writes the next bit. And he says, at my first court hearing, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Do your best to come to me quickly. Demas has fallen in love with the present world and has deserted me. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. When you come, bring my coat. In this prison, Paul writes to Timothy and it says, everyone has abandoned me. Can you bring my coat? Everyone has abandoned me, so now it feels really cold. The cold never bothered me before, but now my heart is cold. The winter feels colder. Does Paul know about your private secret pain? Yeah. Is your pain loneliness? Well, he was desperately lonely. Is your pain regret? Maybe guilt for things that you've done that you wish you could change? Well, Paul knew all about that. He spent the first few years of his adult life killing innocent people in a vicious religious rampage and now he's sitting in a dungeon alone and he probably had images of those people that he had killed flashing through his memory over and over again. He knew the pain of regret for foolish and wasted years. He knows your pain and so we can hear his advice about pain and we can believe it. And what is his advice? Well, with all of his experience in suffering, this is what he says. He says, do not lose heart. Now that sounds kind of obvious, doesn't it? Why write that? It's interesting that some of the wisest people write really obvious stuff. If you read the book of, Song, uh, of Solomon, the, 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 the Proverbs, it's pretty obvious stuff. And that's what Paul does here. Why does he write something so obvious? Well, he wrote that because it's really easy to lose heart. When suffering comes, sometimes we feel guilty because we're not rising above and we're not accomplishing great things and we're not doing stuff for God in the middle of our pain and the people around us are saying, you should rise above and you should do great things because God done great things for you. But Paul and the other writers in the Bible, they tell us that when we're suffering, you don't necessarily have to rise above. The writer to the Hebrews simply says, in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, endure suffering. Sometimes it's enough just to endure. Sometimes it takes all of your strength just to hold on. Sometimes hanging on is enough. Don't lose heart. 
But if, this is a big if, but if you can bring yourself to do a little bit more than just hanging on, if you can work up the courage to take a slightly bigger step, Paul says you can achieve something in the middle of your suffering. One famous writer said, because our afflictions cost us so much, they are too precious to waste. Another person said, don't waste your suffering. That's what we're talking about. So here is what you can gain from your suffering if you can take that extra step. Suffering gives you the opportunity to choose between a why and a who question. And we're going to look at both of these today. When we suffer, the question we usually want to ask is why? Why? Why is all this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? Now, that's not a bad question. It's not a bad question, but it is a question we can get kind of stuck on. The Bible says it's not bad to ask why. Sometimes God may give you that answer. A lot of people in the Bible ask the why question. And God answers that sometimes. But there is a better question to ask first. Before we get to why, it's better to ask the who question. Who do I believe in? Now, doing that will force you to confront some things. It will force you to confront the kind of question of what kind of God you believe in. Do you believe that God is all-powerful? Yes or no? Can God actually help me in this suffering? Yes or no? Is God really interested in me? Yes or no? Is God even good? Yes or no? Because the honest and secret answers to those questions is very confronting because if you ask yourself honestly, you might actually answer no to some of those questions. You don't believe that. But if we only believe that God is all-powerful, then this suffering causes me to think that he's cold and he's distant and he's uncaring. On the other hand, if we only believe that God is good and caring then this suffering makes me think, well, maybe he's not all-powerful. He's not powerful enough to help. But if we really believe that God is both powerful and good and caring and close, well, the only explanation for all of that in response to this suffering must mean there's a reason for the suffering. And so on that platform, on that foundation of believing who God is, that he's both powerful and caring, we can then move on to the why question. Why am I going through this? If God chooses not to fix my suffering but still loves me, what good is he trying to accomplish in my life? And there are several parts to the answer to that question. The first one is, well, what caused my suffering? Why am I suffering? What caused it? Well, the answer to that is Satan. Satan caused your suffering. The world is broken. It is not how God wanted it to be. And every day, people break the world a little bit more. You often hear people say, oh, the world's just getting worse and worse. I'm not sure if that's just because you see more and more of it, or maybe the world is actually getting worse and worse. But 
people are breaking the world more and more and more. And the more people break the world, the more suffering grows in the world. So maybe those old people are right. You suffer because the world is broken. That's the answer to the why question. But the good news is that in spite of Satan's bad and in spite of people's bad, God is still good. And that means that no matter how much suffering comes into our lives because of the brokenness and evil in the world, God can still turn it into something good. And that's why Romans 8.28 says that in spite of that evil, all things work together for good to those who love God. Now, some people take that and mean, oh, that means that even though bad things are going to happen, you'll be happy in the end. I'm not sure that that's actually what that's saying. Maybe the good that comes out of it is some character or something like that. Here's some of the good that God can bring from your suffering. In suffering, we learn what we love. We learn what our heart treasures the most. People can endure all kinds of things. Torture, depression, pain, loss of things and loss of dreams. And they can endure all of it as long as they can hold on to whatever is their dearest hope. But if something takes that deepest love away that's when we cross over into despair. Once that deepest hope is gone, that's when people are defeated and when they give up and often when they die. Suffering reveals what we love the most. It will show you whether the thing you love the most is Jesus or something else. That's something good that can come out of suffering. Second thing that can come out of suffering, we can learn how deeply we are loved when life is normal, when everything's okay, it's easy to go through life not realising how much people care about us. And the reason this happens is because when everything's okay, your friends have no opportunity to show you how much they care, do they? Things are okay, what can they do for you? There's not much they can do for you. But when things get bad, when you're sick, when you're hurting, when you're grieving... Those who love you have the opportunity to gather around and to support and to help and to show their love. Suffering is a time when we can see how much people love us in a way that just can't happen when things are going well. Now, you might be suffering right now and saying to yourself, but Simon, I'm, you're wrong. I'm suffering right now and no one is showing love to me. Well, I don't know you personally and I don't want to sound arrogant, but just gently, I wonder if you can rethink that. I wonder if you might be missing something. I wonder if maybe some friends or some family have tried to show you love, but you haven't noticed. That often happens when we're suffering. It often happens when we're in our greatest suffering. We're hurting so much that we are not even able to notice all the things our friends and our family are trying to do to help. Or maybe another reason why no one's helping you is because you're suffering in secret. I've got a family, a real close family member who has done this her whole life, just won't tell you what's going on, so I can't help her. Maybe people don't know about your pain because you're too proud or you don't trust them enough to tell them. How can your friends love you if you won't let them? How can they share your pain if you don't share your pain with them? To receive love, you must make yourself available 
to receive love. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's hard to take down the walls that say I'm okay and it's hard to be vulnerable and to say, you know what, today I'm not okay. And Because when you do that, they might hurt you even more. That's the risk that love is about. But if you can do that, you might discover that people love you more and deeper than you ever believed. So there's some things that we can learn from our suffering, but maybe none of that's happening to you. Maybe you're sitting there saying, Simon, you're wrong. When I was in pain, nobody showed me love. Well, in that case, maybe your pain has taught you something really very unique and special. Maybe your pain has taught you how to show someone the kind of love that you wished for, but never got. Which brings us to the third point, how to show love better. When you have been through pain, you gain a unique credibility to talk about that pain. You gain a special ability to help others who are going through the same pain. The only person who can speak into the life of someone who's going through chemotherapy is someone who's also been through that. The only person who can hold and comfort a person who's lost a child is a person who has felt that same devastating pain. If you've been through suffering, you have a unique ability to talk about that difficult subject in a way that brings healing to other people when they're going through that. Nobody else can do it like you can. James in the Bible says, Consider it a gift, friends, when tests and challenges come to you from all sides. You know that under pressure your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colours, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed. James is saying that suffering and challenges cause you to grow in unique and amazing ways and this happened to Jesus as well. One of the most interesting verses in the Bible is Hebrews 2.10 which says Jesus was made perfect through sufferings. What? Are you saying Jesus wasn't perfect? Sort of, not really. I don't mean it like that. Jesus was perfect sinless. But this verse is not talking about perfect sinless. It's talking about perfection in the sense of completeness. Look what it says later in the chapter. It was appropriate for God to use experiences of suffering to make perfect, complete, the pioneer of salvation. Who's the pioneer of salvation? That's Jesus. This was so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest. He's able to help those who are being tempted since he himself experienced suffering when he was tempted. And later in chapter 4 it says a similar thing. Even Jesus, who was God, who created us, who created our emotions, who hears our thoughts, even he came to earth not just to save us, but to experience what we experience. 
And the reason he did that is because the only person who can help a person who is suffering is someone who has suffered themselves. And more than anything, Jesus wants to help you and connect with you personally. That's why he wanted to come to earth and experience the kind of suffering that he experienced. So, if you are going through deep and painful suffering, God wants to encourage you this morning. Don't waste your suffering. While you're going through suffering, use your suffering to help you understand Jesus' suffering. And one day, you will be able to use your pain to help other people who are also in pain just like you. Because you will come out of it one day. And if you're going through some really intense suffering and you would like someone to pray with you, well, we have a prayer corner over here and there'll be people waiting for you. You can come and pray with them during the next song that we're going to sing and I'll be there. If you want to pray with me, we can do that. We can pray together while that music plays and you'll have the opportunity to do that at that time. So... I'm going to invite the next person to come and to continue to lead us through the rest of the service. And again, if you do want to spend some time praying with someone, that'll be available for you over there.